In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, today we're going to start chapter 9, uh, the three woes. But before we start chapter 9, let's just look quickly over the, la- the first four trumpets. And the first one was hail and fire. Uh, the second trumpet was a great mountain falls to the sea. The third one was a great star uh, falls to, uh, on the rivers. And the third, uh, sorry, the fourth one is third of the sun was stricken and the third of the moon. And we said that represents, you know, uh, a heresy that was uh, going to be uh, attacking the church at, the, at that time. When we move to chapter 9, uh, the Lord co- called the last three trumpets, 5, 6, and 7, the three woes. Uh, woe, woe, woe to the world and its inhabitants for what is uh, to come. And a lot of the fathers think that this sort of focusing on the time of the Antichrist and uh, the end days, and we're going to see that the seventh trumpet is the declaring, you know, sort of the, the end days. Why don't we just read the first woe first and then. Uh, talk about it quickly because the objective today is to finish chapters 9 and 10 you're the victim So the first woe uh, sounds a little bit scary, um, but uh, again, we're going to see later on in chapter 10 that the Lord appears again in a magnificent view to assure us of his presence, of his control of everything. And we're going to see here that, you know, also talks about they are given an authority. So again, everything is happening is by control of God and by allowance 
from God. So let's go one uh, word at a time. Uh, and uh, the fathers again say that this is represents uh, yet another more powerful and spiritual, uh, I'm sorry, uh, powerful and uh, strong spiritual war against the church. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from the heaven to the earth. And it was given the key of the abyss. So who is this star that fell from heaven to earth? There are different interpretations. One of them says that this is the devil, you know, when it fell from heaven to earth. Again, we see, we remember, if you remember Luke 10.18, the Lord says, I saw the devil falling, you know, uh, from heaven. So some say that this is the devil when it fell from heaven. That's the fifth star. Others say that this is a great spiritual leader uh, that follows the devil or can be the Antichrist or whatever. And others say that it's an angel sent from heaven to lose the devil. So we don't know. Uh, all it says here, uh, a star fall from the heaven. So it can be either way. It was a given key of the abyss. Uh, the abyss, which, you know, key of the abyss means the release of the the devil in the Old Testament the Jews used to think that uh, hell is basically it's a big hole you know bottomless so people are thrown there to suffer eternally and as we can see the progress of the trumpets every time the intense of the situation you know, grows and intensity of the battle grows from the first trumpet to the last trumpet. Because God's warnings, we said that these trumpets are God's warning, and God's warning keep increasing every day, every time we see uh, more important events, bigger disasters, bigger things happening, but we sort of try to ignore it, or we grow, we grow numb to these events. Verse 2, And it opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Uh, again, smoke, it may look like incense, and may look like the raising of incense, but actually smoke kills. We all know that you know a room filled with smoke basically is deadly. Uh, the sun and the air darkened. Uh, again, the thoughts of the you know heresies. If these, if this was the devil coming out from the bottomless pit to spread his ideas, spread his thoughts, spread you know his beliefs. So the smoke is the heresies uh, of the devil, and they're going to darken the sun and the air, which means that the knowledge of you know, true knowledge of Christ is going to be darkened, is going to be diminished, uh, as we saw in uh, the previous trumpets as well, that, you know, the sun has been darkened, so most likely at this time it's going to be bigger heresies and stronger deviation from uh, the true faith. We all need air to live. We can't live without air. So when they darken the air and the smoke fills the air, then people cannot even breathe, which means that spiritually, if this is like, you know, our spiritual air, this is whatever they're eating or drinking or whatever they're breathing is all polluted and it's it's deadly. So all the thoughts of the heretics 
that are spreading or they're going to be spreading in the world basically are all deadly. And from the smoke and out of the smoke came forth locusts unto the earth and authority was given to them as the scorpions of the earth have authority. Locusts are basically you know insects that come in and eat all green things. And if we remember and we pay attention to the plagues and to the trumpets and to the various things that are going to happen, we notice that some of these are similar to what Moses brought on the Egyptians. And that's why some of the fathers think that when we talk later on about the two prophets, that one of those prophets is Moses because some of these miracles are similar to what Moses have done. So when we talk about locusts, we're going to see later on that this locust is not a real uh, locust, but more like a spiritual one. Uh, may lead some people to think that the, one of the prophets is Moses. And we're going to discuss that in its due time. We're just trying to do it a little bit. So the locust, mainly what it does, it eats green things. Right? Uh, but we're going to see here that this locust is a little bit different. It's not going to eat green things. It's just going to destroy and you know the people who do not follow God and who do not have the seal of God on their head. Scorpions. It's known that scorpions are deadly. Uh, anybody who's uh, bitten by a scorpion, uh, they're sure to die, uh, most likely instantaneous death. So these locusts are not normal, they're going to be physical and not normal. And if they're spiritual, that means they are, their ideas and what they propagate for is deadly. And they were commanded not to hurt the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. As I said, the locust's main job is to eat green stuff. I think there was locusts on Egypt a couple of years ago. It was a big disaster to the crops and so on because they come in, they wipe out the crop, com- you know, completely. And, and in the Old Testament, there's a lot of prophecies that include locusts as well. They come in and they sh- destroy every green thing on earth. Uh, but this locust is different. It was given, it was commanded again here by a command from God. So. Everything happening in the world is by a command from God not to hurt the grass uh, of the earth or any green thing or any tree. The grass, the green thing, and the tree, these are, in this case, represent the believers in the different levels. The low people who are still, you know, immature spiritually, those who are struggling or, you know, halfway there, and those who have grown up and have spiritual fruits and are like the trees as someone uh, says uh, and all these people all God's people will have the seal of God in their heads so any heresy any wrong ideas really the only way to combat that is through the guidance of the Holy Spirit inside us because when we're sealed by the seal of the Holy Spirit Spirit comes and lives in us, that's the one that's able, capable of discerning what is right and what is wrong. 
And that's why, if you remember, we go back to, I think, chapter 6, before any of these trumpets or any events happen, what God said that, you know, don't do anything, don't harm the earth or, you know, or the sea or anything until, you know, God's people are sealed, the servants of God are sealed. So here we see the benefit and the value of being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is, you know, living in us. So it will help us discern from the eve between the wrong ideas and the right ideas. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was like the scorpion's torment when he stings a man. We have six, I'm sorry, seven trumpets. This is the fifth trumpet, and we're going to see number five here occurring a lot. Especially in the period where these locusts uh, are allowed to hurt people and leave them tormented five months. What does number five represent? Usually in the Bible, number five. The five senses. Okay. So, we, we all, you know, uh, use the five senses, and the devil uses our five senses to penetrate us and to offer us sin and to <coughs> deceive us. So the five months, the period they were given to torment people or to hurt people is maybe uh, the, the period where the devil is going to be tempting us by sin or offering us these ideas or offering us these, you know, what seems to be like something nice and let our senses enjoy it. And the other thing, the interesting part is that uh, if we look at the, here, uh, what, w- why did the Lord use scorpions in this particular example? Why not like snakes? Why not like anything else? How does a scorpion hurt people? By the tail, right? By the tail. So the idea here is that two things. First, the tail is the end of the story. When you, you wait until the end, that's what really happens. And that's the problem with every heresy. It may sound good at the beginning. Communists may sound ideal at the beginning. Uh, Evolution may sound good at the beginning. Free choice may sound good at the beginning. But the end of it, that's what's deadly. That's what really hurts. And the devil is not going to expose his sin from the beginning. When the devil starts offering us a sin, he's not going to tell us, hey, by the way, when you follow the sin, you know, you're going to be tormented, you're going to live a miserable life, you're going to have, you know, end up to be living, you know, on the streets and have AIDS and blah, blah, blah. He's not going to say any of these things. He's going to try to portray the, the sin at the beginning as a nice thing. But the end of it, that's the deadly part. And that's what the Lord is warning us here, that these heresies are deadly at the end. For example, when somebody like Arius was trying to debate how can, you know, the son be equal to the father. And he was arguing strongly against the divinity of Christ and the Christ is one with the Father. may sound logical at the beginning. may sound. But the end of it is deadly because the end of it means that you know we were not saved by God Himself. 
were saved by somebody else. And that's not the true salvation that we are seeking. Again, a lot of these heresies may look good, may sound good at the beginning, but they're going to be deadly. We're going to find that this is an army of heretics, or an army of ideas. A lot of ideas are going to be coming in and attacking people, but all these ideas at their end is going to be, you know, deadly. So whether it's communism, whether it's humanitarianism, whether, you know, any of these ideas that surrounding us today and will in the future will also you know is also that and we need to be careful about it so atheism humanism all these people that refuse God sounds logical right? I can live a good life I can you know I don't really need all these things talking about God and so on you know why do you want me to go to church every Sunday it's just you know they keep giving weird excuses it's just uh, uh, an institution that's trying to make money for itself, la 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 la, and you know, they forget about God completely. Right. And they should not kill man, but actually they should torment him. So if somebody follows a heresy or uh, one of those wrong ideas, they don't die immediately. I mean, we see some heresies around us. You know, that follow Arius and they're still alive today, or you know, other heresies, they still seem to be alive and long lasting, but their end is death. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it, and they will no longer, they will long to die, and death will flee from them. All right. Multiple things here because this is a very strong uh, verse. A lot of times, the devil will make a thing, people think that death will end everything. That's why we find suicide rampant in even, you know, socially advanced societies. You know, you go to places like what they call socially advanced, like, you know, Sweden, Norway, and all the Scandinavian countries. Their suicide rate, especially among teenagers and so on, is very high. Way high. Compared, for example, to... Under, underdeveloped countries. Underdeveloped countries, suicide rate is, is low. Very surprising. You find, for example, a few days ago, you know, you were hearing about sort of internet-coordinated group suicide in Japan. It's, a, it's supposed to be highly advanced economic culture, and they're still, you know, uh, committing suicide. So what's the purpose? They think that death will end all the trouble. And that's what the devil tries to do because he knows once you die, you're going to be his. Especially if you die in a sinful situation, you're going to be his. A lot of times we say, It's going to be great. If God takes me right now, everything is going to be great, right? Guess what? If God does that, if He listens to your prayer at that particular moment, it's going to be the worst time for you to go up to heaven. We also think the same way. We also think that we do believe in heaven. We do believe in, you know, eternal life. We do believe in everything. But we also think that, you know, death will will solve everything. And that's what the, how the devil, you know, tricks us. Because if we're not ready, and if we do not overcome, you know, sin here on earth, how can we go to heaven in eternal life? So, and the, the other thing is that a lot of the, 
the heresies around us today, they say there's no no afterlife. Only once you die, you die. Right? So that also makes people very scared of that. They're so miserable in living, but they're also very scared of dying. Will I just stop existing? Because they don't believe in God. They don't want to believe in God because believing God will put restriction on their life. So they end up being torn between two things. Afraid to die, to stop exist, because they don't believe in you know eternal life. At the same time, they don't want to live, continue living this miserable life, because they don't have the Holy Spirit working in them. So they end up to be very miserable. And we find a lot of these people around us. That's why people like David Koresh and all these guys who are convinced people to kill themselves and promising them, you know, whatever they promise, they'll believe him. Right? They were fooled enough, to, you know, to believe him. So that's verse 6. And the shapes of the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. So now he starts describing these locusts or those heresies and how they're going to be uh, propagating and invading uh, life. So horses, of course, horses were the instrument of battle in the old days. So these are, you know, ideas or heresies, they are ready to battle. They are going to be trying to be as convincing as possible and as strong and as nagging as possible. Uh, Their heads were, it were crowns like gold. We need to be very careful here because in this, you know, trumpet and the next trumpet, there are going to be a lot of like because the devil is going to try always to imitate what God offers us. So, what do you guys want from church? What do you guys want from God? Happiness? I'll give you happiness, but a different kind. Christ promised, you know, my peace I give to you. I'll try to give you peace. I pretend peace from the outside. Okay, nobody fights with you. Nobody argues with you. Whatever. You, 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 you think that you're living in peace, but reality is not. Right? So, he will try to pretend to give us and the, the heresies that come they'll try to imitate everything that God is trying to say so what does you know the Bible talk about oh we believe in everything the Bible says except Christ is not God you know or he did not die or there's no salvation or you know only 144,000 people are going to inherit eternal life and all these heresies that are around us so here like gold we saw in Chapter 4, the uh, 24 priests wearing crowns of gold. So these, her- you know, this locust is wearing a crown like gold. So they're pretending to be heavenly as well. They're pretending to be talking about heavenly things and, you know, give themselves heavenly attributes. Their faces were like the faces of men. It seemed logical. Uh, Remember when we also talked about the four heavenly creatures? We said they, you know, the face of man represents the logic, the you know, reasoning, and so on. So these heresies will have very logical explanation. They try to reason with people, and try to get to them through logic, and pretend to be heavenly as well. Oops. And they had hairs like the hairs of women. They're going to be seductive. 
they're going to be again looking good from the outside right? use every trick to seduce people and bring them into their uh, camp at the same time and their teeth were like the teeth of lions so these these are not nice pets these are deadly dangerous they devour people they destroy them and cause them great harm again be careful here this is like the teeth of lions so they pretend to have the authority and the strength to hurt people like for example communism pretended to be you know the right ideas you know offered the right solution offered you know happiness and you know on earth offered you know everything and pretended to have the power but in reality look what happened to it in 70 years the whole system that controlled half the world fell apart so they had like the teeth of lion but in reality they did not same thing with you know the heresies as a whole and they had breastplates like the breastplates of iron again everything like uh, the strengths of armory they had and uh, yes what's coming and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses running a battle uh, again, wings, when we talked about angels and described that the angels have wings, the main purpose, we said the angels have wings, is, you know, to give us the, the feeling is they run quickly to execute God's commandments. So the same thing here, these heretics, or these people spreading the heresies, they have wings, they're moving quickly from one place to the other. Maybe they're, you know, traveling around trying to preach their word and trying to spread their, their ideas quickly. Right. And they make it sound like they are very strong and very effective. The chariots of many horses running in a battle. When you hear, you know, chariots, or when you hear, like you know, the war instrument going in for battle, it's a scary, you know, it's very strong sound. So they're trying to make themselves, you know, again, sound uh, strong and sound effective. Again, don't forget the word like. In every one of these descriptions, you're going to find the word like, like, because they really don't have that strength. And if we are sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit, if we are, you know, the you know, Holy Spirit working in us, we're not going to be affected by this. We can expose their weakness and we can defeat them easily. And they had tails like scorpions. As you said, tails is the end of the story. And... Some, some, you know, fathers say that the head of the church, you know, the fathers of the church and so on are the heads of the church. And the tails are the end. Those heretics that are expelled from the church are going to be like the tails. They're trying to catch up. They're trying to still be part of the church, but they're really expelled out. They're not uh, part of the church. And the end of the story is always deadly. There were things in their tails and their authority was to hurt men for five months. And we said five months is the period where we're exposed to sin or the heresies to our senses and our 
you know, our eyes, our ears, you know, we hear it, we see it, we talk about it, you know, all these things. And they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in Greek his name is Apollyon, which is destroyer. That's the meaning of the name. It's very intriguing that you know why would Saint John describe the same name in both la- in two languages? Why would he say it in Greek and in Hebrew? I don't know. I didn't find anybody addressing this particular you know issue. Yeah, I'm not about to you know <laughs> give an opinion of my own. <laughs> okay, the first woe has passed. Is passed. Behold, after these things, yet come two woes. So, to summarize these locusts again. Some people, you know, try to start putting them and try to draw them and try to say, okay, their best places like this, and you know, they're going to be like chariots, and they, you know, say this is the battle, and they, you know, um, RGBs and you know, laser beams and all this fancy stuff, and try to put them as uh, real war machines but we don't know that and you know the description doesn't fit could it, could it be a real war that happens maybe we don't know uh, if you think for example you take St. John who's from 2000 years ago and put him in Iraq and look at the battlefield going on right now how is he going to describe it we don't know how is he going to describe a tank or describe an airplane does that Greek name have a meaning yes destroyer the destroyer yes there is a, a very uh, strong dictionary is very nice that gives you the meaning of every word yeah. uh, destroyer yeah. same thing uh, Abaddon okay. uh, a destroying angel angel you can read at the bottom there. No? Right. Okay, so let's read the second woe so we can finish chapter 9 and chapter 10. A lot today. All right, who's going to read the next one? Thirteen. And the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Loose the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, who were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, in order to slay the third part of men. And the number of the armies of the horsemen was two myriads of myriads, and I heard their number. And so I saw the horses in the vision, and those sitting on them, having breastplates of fire, even dusky, red, and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. But these three, the third part of men, by these three, the, the third part of men was killed, by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their authority is in their mouth and in their tails. 
for their ta tails were like serpents with heads, and with them they did harm. They do harm. And the rest of the men who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and gold, golden and silver and bronze and stone and wooden idols, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorcerers, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Okay, so this woe is sixth trumpet, and you know, you all know when was Adam or man created? Which day? Sixth day. And when was Christ crucified? Six hours. So that always number six has significant meaning. And some of the fathers think that this is an actual war, especially because of the number, you know, 200 million. Uh, and some think that, again, it is another intense spiritual war where it's going to be maybe more persecution to the church and so on. Uh, and some try to relate this particular trumpet to Armageddon and the, the war that's going to happen at that time and they try to put them both together. Right. So we will address one thing at a time when we get close to And sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. Uh, remember, we, we talked about this altar before God, and we said that you know this altar represents you know Jesus Christ, uh, that he is a sacrifice, and he's the one who offered himself as a sacrifice, and that's the only sacrifice that's going to be in heaven. And the four corners, you know, the, the horns stands for strength. So the four, the horns in the four corners, you know, stands that God is looking for people in the whole world. Again, here you're going to find a lot of number six and number four together because four represents the four directions of the earth. So that represents the whole world. And so the four horns represents the. that God is seeking the, the salvation and he, He's offering salvation for all humanity, the four corners. And that whatever command is coming, whatever tribulation is coming, it's not just happening haphazard, it's not happening from the, you know, the devil is running wild and loose and just destroying things left and right. It's by command and order from God. He is the one who sort of as we said last time, is like the, the devil is like a mad dog and God is the one who has a chain and he only lets the chain loose at certain time by a certain amount. And why, the, why do you think God is letting the chain loose for the devil every little bit? How many of you guys have dogs? Or? So I can say whatever I want now. Uh, basically when you have a dog and somebody comes to try to pet him first you're sort of careful but if somebody's coming close to the dog, wants to play, dog and wants to play with it you let the dog you know, go and play with them so even if the devil is like a mad dog and the world is approaching the devil wants to play with the devil wants to enjoy the presence of the devil what do you think God is going to do? why would he prevent them from enjoying what they want? free will it's there, exactly, it's free will uh, more and more, 
you guys were talking upstairs is that you know uh, they they want to hear what's pleasing to them they want to hear what's nice to them so if somebody's strict with them they don't want to do that if somebody is rebuking them for their sin they don't want to do that go back and say how many people considered what happened in Katrina or whatever is a is a warning from God for us to repent or what happened 9/11 is a warning for you know from God for us you know to repent and straighten our ways nothing so the more things and the more harsh things are going to come people are going to harden their hearts and we're going to see that happening in the next you know in the strong in this particular uh, trumpet right. saying to the sixth sixth angel who had the trumpet loose the four angels who are bound at the great river euphrates so what is what is the great river, river euphrates is it literally iraq so this is a prophecy about iraq war and you know baghdad and, and all these places now, the first time we hear about the river euphrates is in the paradise uh, and then later on uh, babylon was built on the river Euphrates. And the river usually is the source of, you know, wealth and the source of life for a city. Any city that's built on a river, the river is used to drink, to for trading and for everything. So the river is the source of life for the, and source of wealth for the city. So the river Euphrates is the source of life and the source of wealth for the kingdom of the devil or kingdom of the antichrist at that time Babylon do you guys know who established Babylon who was the founder of Babylon Genesis go back to Genesis Namrud Namrud was the one who established Babylon and he was a defiant person an arrogant person to God so from that time, Babylon is taken as a symbol of defiance and a symbol of sin and a symbol of arrogance. Actually, arrogance belongs to Egypt. So, uh, the symbol of sin. And actually, we want to see that the kingdom of the devil or the kingdom of Antichrist is going to be in Babylon. I'll come to that later on. So, as we have Jerusalem, we have Babylon. They don't mean the physical Babylon. Exactly. They don't mean the physical Babylon. The capital of, uh, of sin or the source of wealth for the kingdom or for these people who are living in evil. Whether it's kind of, you know, trade or, you know, enjoyment. Why was that kingdom being associated with sin? Babylon? Yeah. Well, well, that was the time when... You know, they wanted to build themselves a city. They wanted to build, it was right after the, the flood. And they wanted to build themselves a large tower. And they were looking like after worldly things. So that's when God made them speak in different tongues. They don't understand each other's speeches. So that was around the area of Babylon? It was, yeah, that's when Babylon was created. Babel, it's, you know, sounds like, you know, to Babel means, you know, uh, Different speech, yeah. different tongues. So, speak. so if, you, if you put that one here, you think you're going to mean the different languages? Sure, let's... Uh, That'd be very interesting. Mm, but we don't have to go that one. Mm, we do. So the area of multilingual people all over the world came there to create them. 
No, no, on the other way around. It's. Uh, uh, okay. Euphrates? It's it's a river. Uh, here's you know you can do different things here. This is Neve. Babylon city built by Nimrod. So. Genesis, what's the Genesis uh, 10:10. 10, 10. Okay. Euphrates. Let's let's go to, let's go to Genesis 10:10 to see what the story is. Okay. No. No. At the beginning of this kingdom was Babel and Iraq and Akkad and Kanne uh, in the land of Shinar. Out of that land, he went forth to Ashur, and he built Nineveh and the city of Rehoboth. Now, let me. No, it's, uh, it's actually in chapter eleven. Chapter eleven. Yeah, let me let me read it for you. All right. It says, "Now the whole earth." had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they were, they were found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. Can you read? It's kind of hard. Verse 4. <laughs> And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is on the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they had begun to do now. Nothing that they that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there and over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. By the way, uh, confusing language, confused language. Uh, an interesting thing related to this one, I was just reading uh, the National Geographic, uh, a National Geographic article about genetics and so on and evolution. Of course, they're trying to prove evolution one way or the other, which is another new religion that you know, fighting today. But they, the interesting part is they said that there's some, for some genetic reason, they know, you know, at one point, you know, they see a mark on the DNA that, you know, indicates, diff, you know, different languages. Could that be, that could that be, you know, this event, God changed something in the people's DNA that makes them tend to speak different languages? I'm just wondering, if you click the word Babel, it would give you a meaning to, to Babel? Oh, let's um, let's try that. 11, 10, 11, 9. Yeah. Again, in, if in Arabic, it's it's very uh, easy to understand that. 
because again in Arabic, Babel and Jibalbil is, is very, it's a verb in Arabic, so. Yep. Confusion. Babel confusion. Right? Including Babylonia and Babylonian Empire. Right? Babel Babylon. Right? But the main idea also Nimrod. Right? No, but again, Nimrod in particular, if we go back to the story of Nimrod. Uh, and Kush uh, father Nimrod he began to be a mighty one in the earth he was a mighty hunter before Jahava therefore it is said even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the, uh, the Jahava and then it went on to tell the story of Babylon and so on and Nemrod, in, even in Arabic, say, you know, and you, you feel arrogant and you feel mighty and power in front of the Lord. So that's the origin. So Babylon in general is taken to represent... Uh, no, not necessarily the city of multi-language, but more the city of sin. And also, when we study the history of Israel, we find that Babylon, you know, conquered Israel and captured a lot of its, you know, children into Babylon. On the river of, you know, Babylon's there, where, you know, we sat, uh, and so on. So we think he's referring to the symbolic Babylon rather than a literal... Exactly, yeah. exactly. Again, all these things, we should take it in a very symbolic way and it's going to be very hard to take that uh, in a very literal fashion so the go back to say the river Euphrates is the source of life and you know source of richness for the city of Babylon and the Babylon is the where the kingdom of you know or uh, the headquarter of the antichrist is going to be so that's that war or that angel, you know, those angels are going to strike the source of wellness for the Antichrist. And that's why, again, some people are tying this to Armageddon because the Armageddon is also going to be a war against the Antichrist, so they're tying them both together. And the four angels were loosed who were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year in order to slay a third part of men. An hour and a day and a month and a year. This is the hour that the Lord says no one was given authority to know. So any attempts for us to say this hour is going to be you know, October 2001 or 2007 that like somebody said last week and so on is wrong. And we're going to see in chapter 10 in a few minutes that when God wants to reveal certain things He reveals it. Like for example, when we saw in chapter 1, write what you're about to see. And then later on, he, in chapter 10, he's going to tell St. John, do not write these things. So if God wanted to declare to us the time, he would have declared. When God said, it's not for you to know, he meant that. Because again, the symptoms are going to repeat 
over and over again. So we shouldn't just say, okay, here it is, you know, tomorrow is going to be the Antichrist, and in two weeks is going to be that, and we're going to be done. Nobody knows that. But when these events happen, we'll find out. Um, and the number of the armies of the horsemen was two mirads of mirads. Two times 10,000 times 10,000 is 200 million. And I heard the number. So why does St. John says I heard the number? Maybe because that number is going to mean something to <coughs> But isn't that interesting? First, if you look at verse 15, it says that uh, the four angels were loosed. And then verse 16 talks about an army of 200 million people. So what's, what's the relationship? Let's go back to Daniel 10.10. 10. We're going on well with 10.10 10 today. Second 10.10. 10. Maybe we'll find the, the news about the end of the world in 10, 10, on 10.10 10 tonight. At 10 o'clock. All right. The story of Daniel in chapter 10, basically, he was fasting and praying for God for three weeks and uh, trying to understand some of the visions he saw and so on, and he could not understand it. Uh, so finally, Archangel Gabriel appeared to him and explained to him. But the, the reason we want to read this is because it's going to give us an indication of how to relate verse 15 and verse 16 in chapter 9 of Revelation. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me shaking on my knees and the palms of my hand. And he said to me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for to you I am now sent. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come for your words. Now the key stuff. But the ruler of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but lo, one of the chief rulers came, but lo, Michael, one of the chief rulers came to help me, and I remained there with the king, uh, with the kings of Persia. What, how can kings of king of Persia oppose St. Gabriel and hold him for 21 days. Unless what St. Gabriel, you know, Archangel Gabriel is telling us here, that in reality what he's referring to as the king of Persia is a demon or you know a devil that is trying to manage and control this kingdom and pushing it toward one way. You know, it's like division of labor. Right? This, this demon is responsible for the United States. This demon is responsible for Europe. This demon is responsible for this area. And their job is to stir things and, you know, create problems and, you know, uh, get the public opinion to vote into one direction and push them into this way. Right? At the same time, God has his own angels that try to work also and do something else. Not this direction. So when we go back to Revelation... Chapter 9. Look at these, verse 15, when he talks first about the four angels, and then we see an army of 200 million people. 
200 million horsemen. Well, now we can understand if that's a real war, how could that have happened? Again, this might be a physical war, as I alluded earlier, or it can be a spiritual war. It's one, one of those spiritual wars. Because if you put an army of 200 million people, even the biggest army we have today, China, is a million people. How would you get an army of 200 million people? Right. Again, so this is something we don't understand. When it happens, we will understand it. Right. May include, you know, maybe just mean, you know, a nation, a whole nation together, you know, fighting against people or whatever. We don't know. And the other thing is that the armies of the horsemen, 200 million, in the armies in the old days, it used to be few horsemen and, you know, a lot of infantry, people who were walking on their feet, foot soldiers. Here, it's 200 million, so maybe it's just the army itself is a lot bigger than that, and only the horsemen are 200 million people, or it's all of it is horsemen. Right? So, in the case on the strength, and the, you know, this is a, a mighty you army. I'm sorry? You think you're just emphasizing the amount of power? Uh, it can be. I, I mean, that, that's my sense here, that you're just emphasizing how powerful and how numerous... Uh, it can be, and I. Two hundred. I mean, you can imagine back then there was only two hundred million people in the whole world, so this would be a horseman for each. Probably true. I mean, it sounds like he's emphasizing the strength of And again, some some other people, some of the fathers, you know, they said, for example, the reason they it says two, you know, mirads of mirads is if you remember one of the parables of the Lord saying that, you know, which king was going to war with 10,000 and find that the other king is coming with, you know, 20,000 on him, doesn't sit down and do it. So, well, it can be that way. So, uh, some people, are, you know, tie these two things, you know, together. So, again, let's look at these numbers in a symbolic way. Okay. And, I, and so I saw the, he, the horses of the division and those sitting on them having breastplates of fire, even dusky. If we look at actually other translation of dusky, jacinth, uh, it's like heavenly blue color that stands, you know, heavenly color. Uh, and the modern King James just says dusky. Um, so again, breastplates of fire, heavenly, they try to, you know, appear as strong, powerful, and they try to appear as they are uh, heavenly, mm -hmm. red and brimstone. By the way, when did we hear about brimstone before? There's a lot of repetition of brimstone here. When was the last time we heard about brimstone? In the Old Testament. Well, I know, in Genesis. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Exactly. Would that indicate that one of the sins is going to be, in that time, is going to be homosexuality? That's why it's going to be, you know, God is going to use the same, you know, punishment. Is that would that the use of brimstone here as part of the punishment is an indication to the kind of sin that's going to be there? Maybe. 
and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. Again, it presents the ferocious, you know, ferocious and you know, devouring people and the, you know, destroying. It's like destroying machines. And out of their mouth came issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Again, fire and smoke, were, and fire and brimstone were used to destroy Sanam and Gamera. Uh, and smoke, uh, could it be heresies again, or could it be all this is just you know again instruments of destruction? How they're going to destroy people around them? I remember back in the late 70s, early 80s, people were talking about these you know being nuclear weapons and so on. And look at how the Bible described nuclear weapons. I don't hear that anymore. So let's use the spiritual meaning. It's more <laughs> beneficial to our lives. And these three, by these three, fire, smoke, and brimstone. The third part of men was killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone. Again, when he says here, by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, it means that it's not just anybody's going to die with anything. No, the fire is going to target a certain number of people, the smoke is going to target a certain number of people, and brimstone is going to target a certain number of people, because God has a plan for everything, and it's not just haphazard. For their authority is in their mouth. Again, their authority. They were given an authority. They don't have their own authority, but they were given authority in their mouth and in their tails. Again, their tails. If you remember, mouth maybe speaking or you know issuing commands and tails at their ends. For their tails were like serpents with heads, and with them they do harm. And the rest of the men who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of their works of their hands and they should not that they should not worship demons so now we're going to find out what why was God punishing them why was God allowing this to happen again they worship demons we'll see around us you know different kind of demons today you know sex drugs you know money different kind of things we worship Golden, silver, bronze, and stone, and wooden idols. They can neither hear, see, or walk. I wonder if we look at these different idols, and each of us, you know, try to reflect on what's going on outside in the world today, and we're going to find a lot of idols outside today, a lot around us. There's a lot of idols that people are worshiping. Different kinds, different colors, but they all end up to be the same. They don't hear, they don't speak, they don't talk or walk or do anything. And they did not repent for their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their theft. Murders. It can be abortions, it can be you know, uh, actual murder of people and killing of people, it can be murder of spirits, murder of, you know, of lives, murder of Mm. morals uh, their sources the the devil tries to use people uh, to execute his will at the same time people try to use the devil to execute their will and they end up to have a deal between them and the devil and they work as you know sorcerers you know they do what the devil wants them to do 
to elude people and to convince people what the power is and try to get them away from God at the same time the devil gives them some power and you know does few things for them is it coincidence that we find around us today a lot of movies you know Harry Potter and you know Bewitched and all these things and a lot of things in our culture today sort of is back to be interest in uh, witchcraft uh, Wicca and all these things that are being back and trying to become an official religion uh, and say hey witchcraft is not a bad thing and you know why do you guys kill witches in the old days and destroy them could it be I don't know and that's why I find uh, some of the Protestant churches attacking these movies strongly uh, because they're afraid that this will spread and become a phenomena that helps leads to these you know, events and these things in the, in the future okay. and by the way witchcraft is spreading a lot especially among young kids thanks to movies like Harry Potter and so on You'd be surprised what kids in you know middle school and high school are doing, and their fornication. No need to talk about that. And their thefts. Thefts can be you know stealing from God. His glory can be stealing from God. The gifts He gave them. And God gives a nation a gift, and then they abuse it and use it for something else. That's stealing as well. Or can you know be purely everybody's trying to put their pocket in you know everybody else's you know put their hands in everybody else's pocket and see from them. Okay. Chapter 10. Any any question on chapter 9? First two words. I didn't understand how a smoke uh, resembles heresies. We said that incense represents the prayers of the saints, right? And smoke may look like incense may look like you know prayers and so on but it's, it's deadly it's meant bad and it's deadly you will die from smoke okay chapter 10 we're getting faster now can somebody read to us chapter 10 it's only very short uh, 11 verses. So we can finish them in the next 20 minutes. And I saw another mighty angel coming down out of the heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was as the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice like a lion roaring. And when you have cried, seven hundred spoke their sounds. Seven thunders. Seven thunders spoke their sounds. And when the seven thunders spoke their sounds, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up what things the seven thunders spoke, and do not write these things. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and the earth lifted his hand to the heaven, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there should no longer be time. But in the days of the voice of the seventh 
angel when he will begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished as he, as he has declared to his servants the prophets and the voice which I heard from the, from the heavens spoke to me again and said go take a little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth and I went to the angel and said to him give me a little book and he said to me take it and eat it up and it will make your belly bitter bitter but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. When I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was made better. And he said to me, You must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Alright. So it's very small chapter and straightforward uh, who's the uh, who's the mighty angel God Christ in particular Lord Jesus Christ right? and coming down from out of heaven because he is heavenly and he's going to come down again to to judge to aid his church and to punish the, the evildoers and that's why this is again a preparation for the seventh trumpet, the third woe, and after we saw the last two woes, the difficult ones, you know, scorpions and horsemen and, you know, heads of lions and destroying and killing third of men and so on, people may get, you know, concerned or get worried or get upset. So the Lord appears in this mighty way to assure people that He is in control, make us feel comfortable uh, that he's he's the one in charge, and he's strong enough to overcome all these evils that will happen later on. That happen or happen later on. Uh, clothed with a cloud, every time the Lord appears, whether it was in the Old Testament, whether it's in the New Testament, all these clouds running. If you go back to the first few chapters, you know we talked about that intensively, and the rainbow was on his head. When when do we remember hearing the rainbow? One of the first time we heard, we heard of a rainbow. Flood. After the flood, which is the promise between God and men that He will not, no longer destroy them. So the rainbow here, again, what is God? You know, Christ crowned Himself with the uh, crown of thorns, but also as a reminder of. His salvation, the salvation that He formed for us because He no longer wants to destroy people. And even when He's punishing, when He's coming down for the seventh trumpet and the thunders and all these things, it is not an intention of destroying people because He can easily do that. But that's not the intention. That's why the rainbow is very important to appear at this time to remind us that He still remembers His promise. And His face was as the sun. Again, the devil... We saw so far the devil is trying to, and the heresies before that, obscure the sun, the smoke, the cloud, the third of the sun, darkened in the, the fourth trumpet, and so on. So here Christ himself will appear, and he's the light that can disperse all this darkness. And his feet like pillars of fire, capable of destroying and crushing the, the devil and the church enemies. And he had little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth. 
uh, we're going to find later on in chapter 13 that two, two monsters are going to come up, one from the sea, one from the, the earth. So these monsters, basically, from before they show up, Christ is saying that, that he has put his foot on the sea and on the earth so he can crush these two monsters before they even come up. So he's in, still strong and in control. What is this little book in his hand? Yeah, there, there are several opinions. I think it's the gospel. It, some people say it's the gospel. Some people say these are God's commandment or God's, you know, decree on what's going to happen from, from that point until the end of the world. And it's little book because only little time left. Right? It can be either one. It can be, you know, the, a part of the gospel that talks about the end of the world. How we want to put that together. And he cried with a loud voice like a lion roaring and when he had cried seven thunders spoke their sounds loud voice like a lion again this is the last warning that he's telling people so trying to let people listen and heed and repent now those seven thunders spoke their sounds and then immediately after that and when the seven thunders spoke their sounds I was about to write and I heard a voice from heaven saying to me seal up what things the seven thunders spoke and do not write these things so here it's a very clear to compare between this chapter this verse the last verse in this chapter alright which verse 11 says that you must prophesy again before many peoples nation and tongues and kings when God wants to declare something, He does. When He wants to seal it up, He seals it up. So why is this teaser here? Why does God tell us about something and then He says, Oops, don't say it. Why did St. John write it this way? Okay. There are events that are going to happen after the sixth trump. It can be more terrifying events. It can be God's intervention to protect his church and protect his people and God doesn't you know uh, and it can be uh, announcements or information that reveals who is the, the Antichrist so if the first one if it's more terrible events more horrible things are going to happen more worrying things are going to happen God out of his wisdom decided not to reveal it to us so we don't despair and we don't you know, give up during the times of tribulation, time of the Antichrist, and, you know, a hard time, we say, well, we're not going to be able to tolerate this, we might as well get out of here right now, one way or the other, right? So out of his mercy and out of his kindness, he did not let these events be known. If it's his intervention, and he's, the way he's going to help the church, and he was going to support the church, and he deliberately kept this sealed, because the devil would not know what is he going to do? What is his plan for eternity? Because as we all know, the devil does not know the future. Up until the last minute on the cross, the devil was confused. Is this the Son of God or not? So God wants to keep these events secret until it happens. And But he's sort of giving us a hint. Do not worry. I'm speaking and my word is going to intervene and is going to protect the church 
do not be concerned. Okay. Um, and if it is things related to declare, you know, and, you know, make it more clear who's Antichrist, why is, you know, who's going to be, where's coming from, what's his name, nationality, all these things. Also, God doesn't want to heal that, so people don't try to to stop it or try, you know, try to put an end to it or intervene on their own. And the angel whom I, I was standing on the sea and on the earth lifted his hands to the heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there should be should no longer be time. Very rarely in the Bible we see the Lord swearing by himself. So this time he's saying, no more time. This is it. The end is coming and there's no more time for repentance. There's not necessarily no more time for repentance, but there's no more time. You know, I'm not going to give more time. Remember the parable of the tree when somebody had a tree and kept cultivating, not producing any fruits. And the farmer told him, give it one more year and I will put, you know, fertilizers and so on maybe to produce food this year so giving it another more chance here there's no more chances this is the time it's going to end right now which is of course can be a very wonderful news finally the end and can be a very scary news if I'm not prepared uh, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he will begin this to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. Mystery of God. What is the mystery of God? The end of the world. Right? The whole plan of salvation that's going to be crowned by the end of, of the world and the fulfillment of time. Oh, I'm sorry. He had declared his servants the prophets. So again, here we see the sequence. The Lord declares to the you know the prophets, and the prophets declare to us. So the prophecy is coming in from God, and that's what Saint Peter said in in his letters. And the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, "Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel." who stand on the sea and on the earth. And I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Again, how can an angel stand on the sea and on the earth? And how can St. John go and talk to this angel? If you imagine size-wise, somebody's going to stand on the sea on earth. Giant. Not just giants, you know. Super, super giant, right? So how can St. John go and talk to this huge, huge person Tell him, give me a scroll. And if that giant is holding a scroll in his hand, how can John eat it and so on? So a lot of these, again, it's God is trying to tell us the event is going to happen and his control and so on in a way that you and I can understand. Uh, Take it and eat it up and it will make your belly bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. 
why is that? Why, if we said that this book was the Bible, why the Bible would be sweet in our, you know, in St. John's mouth, but bitter in his, in his belly? So, but don't forget, these are not commandments that are going to come on St. John himself. These are going to be commandments coming in uh, on the people who are living in the world at that time. And St. John is not going to be there. St. John lived in the first century. And this was still in the you know, 21st century, still did not happen. So why would he feel bitter inside his tongue? First, God's word is sweet. The reason we're all here, we're all studying the Bible, because we know how great God's Word is. And if we meditate on God's Word, we're going to find it to be very comforting and very sweet to us. Now, but why it's bitter in his belly? A prophet a loving, is a loving person. He's the image of God, who is loving. He still cannot take or cannot enjoy the fact that all these people are going to be destroyed and they're going to go to hell. Find lamentations, you know, of Jeremiah. And he he is, you know, feeling the pain of the people that are going to be suffering because of their sin. And he could have said, "Look, they deserved it. They are sinners. They deserve it. They just, you know, let let them take it." Right? But that's not the way of, you know, of God's people are. I mean, God's people will feel sad even for the sinners who are suffering because of their sin. So when we see somebody is getting into trouble because of their acts or whatever, we shouldn't you know, uh, enjoy that. We shouldn't enjoy it. We should feel sorry for them. We should feel compassionate to them. Anybody who's in the sla- a slave to sin that person is going to lose his eternity. And if we are truly, truly and you know, really on the image of Christ, we're going to be saddened for that. Imagine if you and I and the prophets will be saddened by those people who are going to suffer and those people who are going to be lost. How much is God himself? Think he's happy that those people are being lost? Isn't that why he's trying all these measures to bring them back so they can repent and they come close Maybe they realize that the way we've been going, you know, these heresies that are promising us, all these wonderful things that's not happening, it's not the right way. Maybe I'll listen to those priests, maybe I'll listen to those Christian people and follow their way. Maybe I'll, you know, get salvation and eternal, you know, happiness. I'm also wondering about that point, like on, uh, on the last day, on the judgment day, would the saints and, um, and Christ himself, like, overlook the sinners? Because since, like, right now, they're suffocating and they're telling God, have mercy upon the sinners, like, let, like be patient with them. So, like, would they, like, direct their attention to God and just overlook them? Because I was wondering, like, how can their hearts change? Because now they're saying no, and then if they see them perishing, they're going to just forget it. Let me, let me ask you another question that may not sound related, but it is related. Why did Christ say they're not going to be marriage in heaven? When you are, when you get to know Christ, and 
especially like you know we find examples here on earth like the monks and the nuns and all that God overwhelms and takes all your sins all our focus all our concentration is going to be on God we're not going to care about you know I was married for 50 years to this person or you know this is my father this is my mother my attention you know, I'm going to love everybody but my attention to Christ is going to overwhelm everything so right now we still haven't reached the state yet what is going to be our feeling toward those who perished I have no idea it's a simple answer. I don't know. But at the same time, there, there are things in the Bible that give us indications there. I mean, when Abraham and Lazarus and uh, yeah. the rich man, they were, you know, symp- you know, sympathetic to him and so on, but they couldn't do much. Right? There's difference here on earth that, you know, we're trying and, you know, some of it that makes us feel also sad is that Maybe we can help these people, but we don't know how to how to do it. We don't know how. When you see somebody, you know, is going away, for example, and getting into drugs and sex, and you know, losing their lives that way, you feel sorry for them and you want to help them. Even if you talk to them, they don't listen to you. you see a person, for example, growing up to be angry and rebellious and so on, and you feel sorry for this person because you know that this road is going to be a destructive road, and you're trying your best to help that person, but he doesn't want to accept that. So you feel sorry for them and you also feel helpless that you cannot help them once Christ comes and the second coming and we are in his presence it's a different story yeah. are you saying because like the Protestants they say oh the saints are too busy to pray for us you know what I mean because they are concentrating on Christ but the Orthodox Church says that because they pray for us here on earth they love go back love to the fifth seal go back to the fifth seal Again, let's let's get it from the Bible. Go back to the fifth seal and read what the fifth seal and we talk about it. They were praying and they were asking God for his you know justice and they were you know yeah. looking at what's going on and we discussed that when we talked about you know the fifth seal particularly. So they are they're not completely isolated from us. They feel and they see what we're doing. I mean Christ himself said heaven rejoices with one who repents. Yeah. So if Christ said that, how can I say they're not paying attention to us when we repent? And this is repentance. Right? So they are paying attention yeah, but and they're rejoicing. See, what I'm trying to understand is I'm trying to say, like, what, like, on Judgment Day, what's going to change their heart to just say, because it's the end of the world, so they say, well, they had their chance, or is that how they're going to... I don't know. I don't think there's going to be a change of heart, but it's going to be, you know... A reality? Pres- I, I don't, probably. I don't know. Yeah. It's still far from now, I think. Need to get to that level so we can understand what you know what you're talking about. So that's and again that's this very important feeling that we're talking about is that yes, God's commandment are sweet, you know, and we all enjoy it. And you find Ezekiel and Jeremiah also the same thing. You know, if we jump to Ezekiel quickly, Ezekiel two eight, we find something very similar to this. But you, son of man, hear what I'm saying to you. Do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I'm giving you. And I looked, and behold, and I, a hand was extended to me, and lo, a roll of a book was in it. 
and he spread it before me and it was written on the face and on the back and written on it were weeping and mourning and woe So it can be, you know, exactly the same thing that happened. And again, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, your words were found, and I ate them. And your words was to me the joy and gladness of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Jehovah, the God of hosts. Okay. So God's word, and who's the fourth person? Just to complete the the quizzes, who's the fourth person that ate God's word and found it sweet? So far we said who? St. John? Jeremiah? Jeremiah? Ezekiel? Ezekiel. One more person. (laughs) Okay, so that's one of the quizzes you give to the youth or how many people ate God's word and find it sweet in their mouth? Four. Okay. And the last thing is that there's still going to be more prophecies, so we're not done with this book yet. There's going to be more prophecies to until the end of the days. Okay. Okay. Is it possible to look at the seven thunders and the Holy Spirit? But the, the Holy Spirit exists from, from the beginning, and why he would say, Sila, don't try it. Because he already thought you know, the Holy Spirit is present in, you know, from the beginning. Right? The seven spirits of God, and, you know, and so on. Seven lampstands, and all these things. So from the beginning, the Holy Spirit is there. Of the seven thunders were telling them not to write, like, don't write. No, no, it's not the seventh. No, here. Uh, I heard a voice from heaven. A voice was telling him certain yeah. things, and he cried, then he cried, seven thunders spoke their, their sounds. The seven thunders, where, where are they? No, no. And seven thunders. Not even heaven or on earth, we don't know. Right? At this time, Christ was standing foot on sea and foot on the earth. And he was seeing, and the seven thunders came, came out. So, where they're coming from, we don't know whether from heaven or from earth. God said, don't try it. So, don't try it. When he wants to reveal, he's going to reveal it. So, let's wait on it and, and find out what he's going to, what these seven Sundays are going to be. Alright? Any any questions? So, we're going quickly. So, hopefully we'll be able to be done sometime in this year. Okay.